The views and opinions expressed on Smack My Pitch Up are those of the panelists and not those of GUI Network, their sponsors, or any of the properties mentioned. Listener discretion is advised. This podcast is rated R for violence, language, and nudity. Well, it's a podcast, so you won't see the nudity. I just do it to make the guest uncomfortable. In a world gone mad with unnecessary reboots, remakes, and sequels, only one podcast has the guts to make it even worse. This is Smack My Pitch Up. Hello, geeks, and welcome to another episode of Smack My Pitch Up, a movie and TV podcast that decides to make it even worse by rebooting, remaking, reimagining, sequeling, sidequeling, mashing up and adapting some of your most favorite and least favorite properties uh, from yesteryear. So we are basically, if you are unfamiliar, taking a film or a TV show or, or a book that we're adapting, and we come up with an idea on how we would do it. We have both a serious take, something we think might actually work with the property for a reboot or remake, and an idea that is just kind of a fun mental exercise is what would it look like if, say, from previous episodes, John Waters did a He-Man movie, or there was a Mario Brothers movie done in the style of Burt Reynolds' movie Gator. You know, (laughs) these are some uh, some of the choices we've made in the past. And tonight with me is Tori Seip. Hello, hello. This was your idea to do this, which I actually deeply appreciated because it has been years since I've watched this movie and I forgot just how utterly delightful it is. Yeah, I, I love this movie so much. Multiplicity is, it's in my top 10. It's, it's so good. I loved it as a child. It's so funny. It's one of those movies I loved when I was younger. Yeah. And for some reason I haven't watched it in years and then I remember enjoying it. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't like a bad time for me to sit down and watch it. And I sat down and watched it and went, oh, that's right. Yeah, this is utterly delightful. Yeah, the the guy who wrote it wrote Animal House. So, yeah. I and mean. Directed by Harold Ramis. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then Doug Kinney, like the main character's name, that was the guy who also wrote Animal. The guy that was, he died. He like killed himself or maybe he jumped off a cliff in Hawaii. There was that movie, A Futile oh, right, Stupid right, right. Gesture. Yes, yes. Will Forte played him, but he was part of the whole National Lampoon. Mm-hmm. And then I forgot about that. I'm like, oh, wait, Doug Kinney. That's the guy. I was like, oh, it's like a nice little love letter to oh, him. Oh, that's adorable. Yeah, right? Nice. I, uh, I had so much fun revisiting this film. This movie was released in 1996. Mm-hmm. So it's been a while. Yeah. And I did remember that there was a, uh, oh, again, spoilers if you were unfamiliar with multiplicity. But again, it's from 96. So you, if <laughs> yeah. you haven't seen it already, don't be mad about getting it spoiled for you. Right. I remembered that there was a very effeminate version of uh, Michael Keaton in there. Yes. And then upon revisiting, I was a little nervous that it was going to come off really bad. It didn't. No. It actually did relatively well, like it, by the test of time. It wasn't, he wasn't playing like a gay character or anything like that. It was just a uh, emotionally uh, forward yeah, what, person. Didn't they used to call that metrosexual? Yeah. Remember or that? just a, a, a sensitive <laughs> male. Yeah. Yeah. And so it wasn't it wasn't leaning on any kind of like weird stereotypes or anything. He played it really kind of subtly. Mm-hmm. Just was a little bit more specific about like 
you know, how to put stuff in tinfoil. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> he had to play four different characters. Yeah. Which and did really well by it. Very, very well. I yeah. mean, Michael Keaton is, you know. He's the best. He's really the best. I used to think of him as like the uh, the younger Nicholson. Like <laughs> if you couldn't get Nicholson, get like Keaton and write the character younger. Yeah. But he's got he, so much more range than that. Oh, my God. So much range. I mean. And I love, I love that he, even though he's played lots of bird people or flying people. Very <laughs> true. In the past few years. Yes. yes. Uh, from Batman to Birdman to Vulture. Yeah. He's he's done all the flying characters. Uh, he does have more range than just playing like the like intense dude uh, that's a villain or just an intense good guy. He, yeah. He can be a little bit more playful. Um, and you saw that from like Mr. Mom and Multiplicity mm-hmm. for sure. I was also worried about the third clone. Oh, and <laughs> yeah. how that would be played in the Tropic Thunder sense of never go full. Uh, and I'm like, oh, yeah. And I, I was looking for like stereotypical tropes of somebody with like special mm-hmm. needs, and it wasn't really playing. He wasn't really playing no. as somebody with special needs at all. It was more somebody that like they never even said that they were just like he's a little off. Yeah, like, he was just he was odd. He's also a clone. He's not a real person. Sure. So you can't, you know. I was worried that you know I. <laughs> Again, having been so long since I've seen it, how that would age. And I felt like it didn't really come off as a f- offensive or dated. I, no, I didn't no. think so either. So I was very happy to realize like, oh, good. I don't have to like warn people. <laughs> he, he, stuff. Put, he puts a piece of pizza in his wallet and puts it back in his pocket. It's, That's amazing. Also, when he's endearing. wearing the boot on his head with the goggles <laughs> and I forget. Oh, he's skiing, I think, at one point oh, with, the, yeah. with the two by fours. I was losing my mind. I was so... They must have just given him a bunch of props and went like, go wild. Th- there was no way that they had that written out in the script. That yeah, was 100%. No, no, no. Just play with the space. Yeah. And holy crap, he <laughs> played with the space. It was God. amazing. So if you have not seen Multiplicity yet, uh, definitely go and check it out. It's on some streaming service, I think, at this point. I'm sure it is. Yeah. Oh, I did... Actually, that's where I found it on Vudu. It was a oh, free movie okay. on Vudu, which is a great place to rent or buy movies or they have tons of free movies. So as of the recording for this, it was on Vudu. Yeah. And it's free. So yeah, go, go watch it. So yeah, download the thing. It's free to sign up for an account. It takes like mm-hmm. two seconds and then you can watch Multiplicity and in all of its glory. Exactly. So what we're going to do is basically go over first how we might change the plot of multipl- Multiplicity uh, for our versions mm-hmm. and then get into the, our director's. And who we think should take the reins um, of uh, of this film, or, or reboot or remake or reimagining, and uh, then then we get into the casting. And usually the director kind of informs the tone a little bit and informs sometimes the casting as well. You know that there are actors that oftentimes work with directors, and and also you know you just think would work in that kind of film. Mm-hmm. Like there's twenty character actors I could see in a Wes Anderson film that haven't been in a Wes Anderson film yet. Oh you know, yeah, you can kind of. Sure. For sure. So that that's kind of how we do things around here. So for the plot for Multiplicity, are you sticking pretty close to the original or are you going kind of a different route? So, yeah, I mean, I have my normal one where it's just a reboot, like remake of it. But this, okay. but my fun, crazy one, I kind of like had a reimagining. It still has like a similar kind of plot. Um, I picked uh, David Fincher for the director. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. Basically, you know, he's still like stressed out about his job and then, you know, it gets cloned, but it gets pretty crazy. I think um, it'd be really funny if he just like imagined everything and he didn't actually. 
Okay, or you clone. keep it kind of up in the air, maybe, where you, the, the viewer doesn't really know for sure, kind of that American and then, Psycho approach. And, yeah, and then he kind of goes kind of crazy, and you think he kills someone, and then, yeah, yeah it gets... Okay. Yeah. I went. I wanted to get like really intense. And I kind of went in a similar direction, not quite the same as you and not the same director, but mm-hmm. I went definitely the thriller route Yeah. for multiplicity, because there's a couple beats in the original mm-hmm. that there, at that moment, it could have taken a much darker turn, especially with the first clone who initially is really bummed out that he doesn't get to fuck his wife. And (laughs) he's like, oh, so I get to go to work all day. And luckily, the Dugs like their job. So it's not that big a deal. But it's also like, yeah, but I have to stay above the garage. And I literally feel like I'm you. Mm -hmm. And I'm the second class citizen here that has to live above the garage and like go to work and not have sex with my wife or party. You know, like, yeah. And he's definitely the more kind of like, not gross level of machismo, but definitely mm-hmm. a little bit more of that rough and aggressive type characteristic. Okay. So I was leaning on that when thinking about uh, kind of going a Cape Fear route with it. Oh, okay. Uh, and so I figured, you know, the person that did a great remake of Cape Fear would be able to tackle this well. So for my my dark version, my fun take on, I mm-hmm. uh, went Scorsese. Oh. So there's going to be some, yeah. some interesting takes there. I'm going to do it more where the first clone Doug is kind of using the other Dugs mm-hmm. as uh, kind of pawns in a game to try to take over the real Doug's life. Mm-hmm. And so there's a couple beats in the original. I could see it almost reading like that. And then it just doesn't take the bait. It doesn't go that direction. And yeah. I'm just kind of in- interested to see what happens if you go that route. Yeah. They're like, no, this is my life now. <laughs> and then slowly tries to take over. And then maybe at the end, you leave it up in the air as to whether or not they've come to kind of a conclusion but you're not sure which Doug is the one that's staying and which one's going to Florida to open up a oh. pizza shop. So, ooh. yeah. Ooh. For my serious take, definitely a lot more traditionally mm-hmm. approaching the film. Um, a lot of the same beats and everything, but I wanted kind of just a slightly sharper, dark edge to it, but not fully dark comedy. Mm-hmm. And there's a director that I love that does that very well and hasn't done a, a lot of features recently, has done a lot of TV, but is a legend for his movies from the 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my serious take for director is Joe Dante. Oh, that's a good one. Who did uh, with the Gremlins. He did yeah. Inner Space, he, uh, Piranha, The Howling. Um, I mean, a million things. Yeah. And also apparently was one of the big directors on Erie, Indiana that I found out. Really? Yeah, he was one of the big. I didn't know that. I didn't know that until today. Yeah. So he, he directed a bunch of episodes of Erie, Indiana as well. Yeah. So um, he, I love his work. I'd love to see what he would do with this to make oh. it just a little darker than the original. Nice. Because there's plenty of room for that. Yeah. Yeah. I think my series take, I wanted to do um, just like a straight up reboot like of it. So I picked Paul Feig because I think he, okay. he could, you know, do something fun with it and it could be, you know, a really good, I, I mean, because I was trying to compare like Harold Ramis was so amazing and iconic and I yeah. was trying to get someone who would have like the same type of feel to it, but still make it. Just as funny, but in a different way. But sure. I think Paul Feig could really. I I love the original stuff that Paul Feig's done. I have yeah some feelings about or the the Ghostbusters. Sure, uh, sure. I reboot, I, I kind of like took that out of the equation. When yeah, I was... because the other stuff like Bridesmaids, I expected to hate, and I deeply enjoyed that movie. Yeah, and like, I think straight up, I think tonally that's like could be a little. I mean, and even similar. what is it, Spy he did too, which I had no interest in, and then watched it and had a blast it was with it. Great, it was really fun. It was. I same like Jesse. Was, my husband was just like, really, we're gonna watch this, and I was like, just 
watch it and he was like oh wow that was really good and was, yeah, yeah yeah it was really fun and mm-hmm. just uh jason statham chewing every square inch <laughs> of scenery in every scene he's in going so hard version of jason statham it was ridiculous i loved it absolutely loved it so yeah so yeah i like that i like that a lot um and when this movie this isn't something that is going to get all the fanboys in a huff like ghostbusters either you know right exactly multiplicity it's something that a number of people really enjoy, but it's like, okay, you know what? Yeah, let's see what a remake would look like. It wouldn't be mm-hmm. too big a deal. Yeah. So uh, let's go down the serious route first, kind of do the casting for that, and then we can play around in the fun zone a little bit. Yeah, okay. So for your serious, you got uh, Paul Feig. Mm-hmm. So who do you have for your Doug Kinney? So this is somebody that's got to play four different roles. Yes. Yeah. So Timothy Olfen. Ooh, nice. Okay. After... He's done so much great dramatic work. So I know he could do like the serious stuff, but seeing him in Santa Clarita Diet, he... He actually does have comedic timing. He has great comedic timing. And I think just seeing him react to all the different things. I mean, I love his reactions on Santa Clarita. It was so funny. I thought, because I was trying to think of other actors and like this age ranges and all this. And I'm just like, God, who could... I think you, if you're doing Timothy Oliphant at one point, he's got to find an old cowboy hat upstairs in the garage and put it on and just kind of look in the mirror because between Justified and Deadwood, you've got to have one cowboy See, hat scene just as fan service. See, I was thinking because in the original, he finds that leather jacket and he's like, I love this coat. And oh, it's like, yeah. so it could just be the cowboy hat and be like, you don't want this? He's like, no, I don't want this hat. Oh, so perfect. Yeah, so just, right? So the... Um, so the the clone one the would clone be one would be the, cowboy hat wearing he would oh. be justified <laughs> yes. oh you could even do where it's like different roles that he played you could have one yeah. that's bald that looks like he was in hitman oh my <laughs> and, god uh, and Santa Clarita died is the sensitive one yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh this is amazing and it's just his different roles from different movies mm-hmm. I love it that's fantastic yeah hell yeah he's fantastic for Doug I wanted an actor that definitely was able to play multiple roles, mm-hmm. but also comedic timing is huge. You have to have both. And yeah. that's narrows down the list pretty hard. It really does. There's actors that can play all sorts of different characters, but may not have that comedic you know, timing that you need for this role. Mm-hmm. One actor, however, who does this so well that I'm deeply in love with his work and is so funny and so weird. And I think is a perfect casting for a modern Doug Kinney is one Sam Rockwell. Oh, I do love Sam Rockwell. Yeah. I almost had him on here. I think that he was on my shortlist, but I decided not to. But. The one kind of issue I was having with casting Sam Rockwell is he has already played a clone before. Yes, he has. In, uh, in Moon. Moon, So yeah. yeah, that was one of those that, uh, but he did well. So I'm like, you know what? He's not going to get typecast as the clone guy, you know, by doing another clone movie. So I loved Sam Rockwell for so long. He's, he's he's so great. good. I, I was so glad he finally got an Oscar. I think it was a Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. I think it was the first movie that really connected with me great on him. Movie. It was a fantastic film. Yeah. And then Seven Psychopaths, he was incredible. Mm-hmm. I loved that movie deeply. Um I didn't like that movie as much, but he was really good in it. Yeah. Uh everything that he's in, he brings it. Mm-hmm. Like even if it's not the best movie and he's been in a couple stinkers, not not too many, yeah. but he still is not the problem in those movies. No. Yeah. So He's never been a problem for me. Yeah, him and Three Billboards was unbelievable. Where you were yeah, like someone that you should hate. Yeah, you're you're, you're feeling for this like racist, <laughs> yeah, like, deep seated racist. That's and then it's the mom from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And yeah, you're just like, just like why? <laughs> yeah. Oh, 
But that's one of the things you can identify with his character. So, I mean, mm-hmm. not maybe how he's feeling, but you understand his motivations. It's so well acted that you feel for the guy. Yeah. Even though he's a piece of shit. <laughs> You're like, all right. And in the end, they, yeah. Yeah. Spoilers, I guess. Uh, I mean, three. it was an Oscar movie like a few years ago. So yeah, that's you true. should have seen it by mm-hmm. now. Please go see it. It's great. It's phenomenal film. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Sam Rockwell. Knocks it out of the park. He would have so much fun, especially with the cloned clone. Oh, gosh. Yeah. That uh, he would just wearing whatever on his head and doing his whole thing and just having fun in the space and mm-hmm. just improving. He would, I, I think, destroy it. Oh, my God. Just think, thinking about him in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy <laughs> as a, was it Zaphod? Yeah. And just how wild he was in that. It would just, oh, man, I, I want to see it. I deeply want to see it. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, for the wife, for uh, for Laura. Yes. This is a uh, a strong, driven woman, but also definitely like needs, you know, a mm-hmm. kind, compassionate, caring partner. Yes. Um, I th- was it? It was put. I think in the film, it's like you, you, you want to be, you want to do your thing, you want to work, you want to do your stuff, but you also kind of want to be taken care of a little bit too. Or right. And so that's kind of the balance that you need. So an actress to be able to play the strong and in charge woman, but also one that you can tell wants the nurturing partner that is involved and, you know, is part of the dynamic as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, who do you have for your series? Uh, Amanda Pete. Uh, okay. Okay. I haven't, she hasn't done a whole lot recently, right? She's on, is she still on Brockmire? Well, I'm only on season two. But I, I, I haven't even started Brockmire yet. Oh, it's she's on my great. list. I, I mean, yeah, I, no, she I hasn't done that. Yeah, sorry. She hasn't done that much lately, but um, she's great on Brockmire. She's been in some indies. Okay. Um, she was in this movie, um, Jason Sudeikis, Allison Brie. What is the name of it? I can't remember. But she basically was that role, that like independent woman, and then she needed the nurturing. It was a small... Jason Sudeikis, was that Sleeping With Other People? Yes. That was a great movie. I love that movie so much, but she was in that. Okay, she was in that. Okay, yeah. yeah. No, she was um, Jason Sudeikis' girlfriend at one point. And he kept trying to date her. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I love it. I mean, she was great in Whole Nine Yards. She has great comedic timing. Sure. And also, re-watching Multiplicity, I love Annie McDowell, but she was also a little, like, just a little nitpicky sometimes. A little high-strung. Just a little high-strung. Yeah. And I wanted something, someone more grounded a little bit more more, a little more grounded and you know more like modern era and she had this weird southern accent in it too which i was like are they in the south aren't they in california <laughs> i don't <laughs> i didn't know where they were i was like but um yeah i think amanda pete would be really good at, especially with timothy olfant the two of them sure yeah um with me i i went the opposite of the grounded part mm-hmm. i wanted somebody that to make the darkness kind of really push out a little bit more, you get a feeling in the original of just how exhausted these parents are. You know, they're running mm-hmm. around like crazy. They got the after school stuff. They're one is a homemaker but wants to go back to work, where the other one is working his ass off. And there's right. that, that, that whole dynamic of who works harder. And yeah. Then the dad that doesn't really want to raise the kids, but, you know, that's kind of part of the deal. And mm-hmm. the mom that wants to go back to work, but she ends up being the stay at home mom, even though she doesn't really want to be that. Mm-hmm. And that dynamic. So I wanted an actress that had kind of a darker approach to it um, and could definitely come off, not necessarily mean, but definitely a little bit more stern mm-hmm. in, in the conversation, a little dark. 
And so you could really kind of feel just how drained and like just completely raw both of them are in, in the scenes. I know Sam Rockwell would be able to kill it with that. So his partner as Eva Green okay. from uh, from Penny Dreadful. She was in um, the uh, movie with the kids on the island thing, um, the Tim Burton movie. The, the place for uh, the home for extraordinary kids oh, or uh, Miss Peregrine's. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're that one. Yeah. yeah. I really enjoyed that movie, but she was in that. She's got a really kind of vampy kind of feel to her. Yeah. And I thought it would be interesting to kind of like play her almost a little bit like the, the problem maker in the relationship, but on and in the real end of things that mm-hmm. she's right and he needs to step the fuck up. So it's more, her just being so exhausted that she's not playing nice anymore with what she needs from him mm-hmm. in being involved in the family. And it comes off as her being kind of cold. But as he starts to make realizations later on in the film, you realize she's only cold because she's not getting what she needs out of the relationship and as a partner in the in the the uh, family. Yeah. So it kind of warms her up a little bit as he starts to step in and actually do what he's supposed to be doing. Yeah. So I'd like to see that transition a little bit more than the uh, original. Yeah, that's so. good. Yeah, that's good choice. Cool. Who else do you have for castings here? Um, I have Doctor Leeds. Okay, of course. I've got a Doctor Leeds as well. Yes. Um, for my series, I went with Gary Oldman. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Okay. It's a small part. Like he's not really in it that much. So I just wanted someone that was versatile, could be this like doctor care. I, I don't even remember what he was supposed to be a doctor of. Like he was, he's a doctor of clones, I guess. Yeah. A bioengineering, a, a bioengineering clone doctor. Yeah. Clone doctor. I think that's the actual degree that he got. Yeah. From, from, from doctor school. From USC. Yeah. Clone doctor. Was clone doctor. I'm, I'm the doctor of clones. The doctor of clones. Yeah. The sheep and stuff. No, no people. We're, we're getting along pretty well. Yeah. He's such a good actor. I don't, see him do a lot of comedies but i mean i guess he has he's done some when he's played characters that were really funny uh, by him playing them straight like he was Mm -hmm. great as sid vicious and sid and nancy and his some of his parts were hilarious yeah and uh also his his, uh character in true romance sure with the dreadlocks and the gold teeth (laughs) and oh uh there's a lot (laughs) and of course zorg in fifth element oh yeah, yeah 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 Yeah, so. he could just be the doctor, and then he's just sitting there, and then another Gary Oldman walks up. He's like, oh, hey. Oh, hey, what's up? What's up? And we could totally do the same thing where it's like Zorg and Sid Vicious <laughs> and, and uh, oh. a Churchill. Churchill. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, yeah, I still haven't seen that movie. No, um, but yeah, we have him as Churchill and as Sid Vicious and Zorg all just kind yeah, of wandering yeah, yeah. around. Be the way to go. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> just all Gary Oldman's characters. Just all Gary Oldman's his characters. Cl- or, that's his clones. They just turn into Gary Oldman's characters. And like monsters. one clone comes in and, and the first guy, the, the original is like, hey, can you bring me everyone, like all the clones? And mm-hmm. he's like, everyone? Then he goes, everyone! <laughs> they all come running in. That was um, a cheesy joke. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I dig that. Mm-hmm. I enjoy that. My uh, Dr. Leeds, I thought this would be kind of just like a nice love note to the fact that Harold Ramis directed the first one. Mm-hmm. So his partner in crime in so many uh, of H- Harold Ramis's early comedies was one of my favorite comedic actors of all time. And I thought it'd be fun for just a cameo role mm-hmm. as the doctor to get Bill Murray to step in. You know, I thought about that too. Yeah, I did. I thought it'd be sweet. It, it, this is a film that, you know, his, his buddy, you know, his partner, his straight man in his movies did. It'd be sweet. It'd be nice. Yeah. It's a little like, Oh Yeah. You could even have like a portrait of Harold Ramis in the oh, background or something. Oh my god! That yeah, like 
funded by Ramus University. There something. we go. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> the Ramus wing of the uh, the bio lab yeah. or whatever. Yeah. 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 It'd be uh, amazing. Yeah, I thought about him too. He's so good. And he's so fun. He would he would be super fun just playing like a clone doctor guy. Yeah. <laughs> Which that's one thing that bothered me in multiplicity is that when the clones go back mm-hmm. to get the the clone from the clones. He's like And the doctor's like, I'm fucking into it. Let's do it. Like he's just he gives no I know. fucks at all. <laughs> he like He's like he's like he gave us a great deal. <laughs> gave us a, so he's now like charging. He's, like it's like two for one special. Right? And you know the the doctor, uh, Doctor uh, Leeds, probably yeah. just like took a pull from his flask and went, "Fuck it, let's get it going," and just like um. rolled with it. Because what the hell? Clone people coming in is like, yeah, we need another one, for, but we can't tell the first one. <laughs> Shh, please be quiet. Is, doctor's like, "Fuck it." Is Doug okay with this? Yeah, he's fine. Yeah, no, it's it. fine. <laughs> he, don't call him though. Like he doesn't like to be disturbed. Yeah, he's on. He's golfing. He's go. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So that scene definitely um, put in. <laughs> I'm yeah. trying to convince the doctor <laughs> to make the uh, the third clone. Yeah. Uh, who else oh, do you have for your casting? Do you have uh, anybody else? Yeah. No, I have Vic. The okay. Who was wonderfully played by Eugene Levy. Oh, and, which he looked so young, and I think I looked it up, and he was like 55 when he filmed that. I'm like, he doesn't look 55. His eyebrows look 55. <laughs> His eyebrows look very old. His eye. He looks like the grandpa. He still in the doesn't. He still doesn't look like he's in his what seventies now. Yeah. He. You see him on Schitt's Creek. He looks. Yeah. Like he's still in his fifties. <laughs> That's amazing. It's insane. Yeah. But like, oh, and he was so funny in that, and he I was didn't... fantastic. And, and, and his eyebrows did most of the work, but like, he no, really I just, I could not get over the eyebrows. It was driving me both yeah. make cracking me up and driving me insane. It's <laughs> like, dude. <laughs> They were very. They were very black. Very black eyebrows. Yeah. <laughs> they were and, very dark. Oh, there's a whole lot happening with, with, with his hair mm-hmm. in that, but he was great as just the kind of like incompetent concrete guy. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So for my serious one, I decided to go with Hank Azaria. Ooh, nice. Okay. Yeah. I love Hank Azaria. Yeah. He's so good. And I mean, I'm sure he could probably, he'd probably do like some crazy voice accent, make it even more insane and he can be at agador spartacus from the birdcage as a concrete guy now yeah he could just be the guy from along came polly a scuba you, you, you scuba do you scuba i love him so much and i oh think he gosh. handled the uh controversy over apu very well yeah he did i think he handled it where he didn't go outright like yeah it's bullshit now mm-hmm. it, but it was that he could see still playing the character, but also completely understands. And maybe it's time to move on. And yeah, like handled it yeah. class act style. So as a Simpsons fan, I'm pretty upset about it. It's a poo because I feel like it started as a stereotype, but the character grew a lot where it was nuanced and no longer. He did. And I mean, in 1989, it was just it is what it is. In 1989. That's, that's who they were every, hiring. Everyone was racist. So <laughs> yeah, like there's so many like Disney actors or Sure. That were white, and they were like Princess Jasmine was white. Yeah, stuff like that. I mean, who apparently the I, uh, voice of Princess it. Jasmine just got announced at to be coming to uh, GalaxyCon. Yeah, I saw that. So that's gonna be exciting. That. Yeah, which I'm hoping I believe we should be doing some stuff at GalaxyCon in February as well. We oh, did a fun. whole run of of shows. So um, once we get mm-hmm. the dates, we'll make announcements on it and stuff. Yeah, Hank um, Azaria is great. Yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and definitely check out Brock Meyer because him and Amanda Peter are on it, and he is 
so funny. That started as a short, I want to say, right? I think, yeah. It started, I don't remember what it was I on. Think, I think it was on, he'll even go on ESPN shows as Brockmire. Because I remember him, the short was that he found out that his wife was cheating on him and then mm-hmm. during a game and then he was like, you know, um, you know, like that's way, way out there, just like the my, my whore wife's vagina or something, you know, just all this yeah. terrible stuff on the air. Yeah, he just, no, I think that's what he said. He wrote it. He said it would just be so funny how like baseball announcers could just say whatever they wanted as long as they keep calling the game. Like, and then my wife like had sex with a bunch of people. Oh, strike three. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to get on that because I, I love him so yeah. much. Um, let's see for, for Vic, I went with somebody that could come off as just kind of a little bit inept, um, uh, but also nice guy that you kind of are rooting for, even though he's completely useless at his job. Mm-hmm. So I went with, uh, Jason Schwartzman Oh, as, as Vic. That's a good choice. I think he would, he would have a lot of fun in that role too. And just yeah. seeing him and Sam Rockwell bouncing back and forth between mm-hmm. each other would be a delight on the screen. He could even be like a more hipster like, oh yeah what, like why is your watch like three hours behind he's like well so i got it in india and... <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> or he doesn't believe in watches and that that, that 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 nature tells him what time it is or some new agey shit like that <laughs> kind of like his character from wine country oh my god like i also enjoyed that film way more than i expected it's it's a great movie but yeah he he's just like that like the, he's just making that like paella for oh, like god. five days yeah <laughs> like he's just mixing cement for like five days yeah. instead. Oh man, it's not the right consistency. It's not. Yet. It's not it's right. Not, yet. It's not ready yet. There's still some bubbles in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just excited about seeing uh, Sam Rockwell and Jason Schwartzman going back and forth. And mm-hmm. when Doug gets really shitty to Vic, mm-hmm. um, just Sam Rockwell doing the like going full on, full out with it, and just mm-hmm. watching Jason Schwartzman just kind of like deal with that would be. Yeah. Just super fun. That's part of the reason I love this show is because just the cartoon in my head of it happening is so delightful that I just want to see it happen in the world. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It makes me mad that this is just like a concept <laughs> and not something that's in production. I know. How are we not casting? Right. Like directors. Uh, do you have anyone else for your. Uh, do you have a Ted? I have a Ted. Yeah. I was Let's... thinking about Noreen, but that's such a minor role that I decided not to worry about it too much. So. Yeah, no, I also did like the boss, but it's not super important. Dell. Oh, I have like Dell as well. Oh, you do yeah. Dell? I do have a Dell. So yeah, so for Ted, uh, I decided to do uh, Joel McHale. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking there's a lot of guys that can play that like kind of like snarky, like brown nose, like Will Arnett. I thought of too, but he's done. Oh yeah, he's done so many of those, and also. Joel McHale and Timothy Olfant in Santa Clarita Diet going toe to toe. Like that's exactly that yeah. dynamic. Yeah, it yeah, would yeah. just be perfect to see that again. Absolutely. Just like have Joel McHale just be trapped in a porta potty and then <laughs> <laughs> Occupado. Hey, yeah, take this one. Occupado. I uh decided to play the character in in my version of uh Ted a little bit more douchey bro Mm-hmm. kind of attitude like it a guy that used to be like something special in high school kind of approach to it yeah and so he's not nearly as good at his job as uh, as doug but is definitely brown nosing and trying to get in with the with the boss a little bit harder mm-hmm. um so a guy that could play kind of that character but also could play with the comedic timing of it a little bit too i've i wanted to see what aaron eckhart could do in that role 
Oh. Yeah, it's it's kind of a left field kind of approach to the character, but I thought yeah. that would be interesting to see kind of what he would do. Just like, you know what? Let's give this a shot. Yeah, so. I mean, he's definitely... I could see that for sure. And he's got yeah. his acting chops. I mean, for sure. Oh, he's a great yeah. actor. So a I know that actor. he would really make some considerate choices mm-hmm. for the character. Yeah, almost a little thank you for smoking-esque. A little bit, kind of, but bit. not quite as smart with it. Right. You know, he's, he was whip smart in that movie. Yeah. One of the few movies that I saw when it... The first time I saw it was on DVD. Mm-hmm. And I immediately started it over once it was done. Because I enjoyed Thank You for Smoking so hard, I watched it two times in a row. Which I almost never do. Yeah, it was... It was pretty fantastic. Yeah. Incredible. Well written. Deeply well written. Mm-hmm. And that, that will sell me in a movie quicker than anything else is the characters are three dimensional and there's good writing than in. A hundred percent. I've had this argument with some people about movies and they're like, what didn't you like about it? And I'm like, I didn't like the writing. And they laugh at me. And I'm like, that's, I mean, that's the movie. You can have a movie that takes you place in wonder- one room. And if it's well acted and well written, then I'm in. Yeah. I mean, actors can only do so much with, the words they're given so i was uh mentioning this on another one of our million podcasts a movie called two girls and a guy and it stars uh, robert downey jr and oh, i forget the female actresses that are in it uh, both incredible actresses and basically they go to an apartment to meet their boyfriend mm-hmm. not realizing it's the same dude um oh. he was out on a trip uh, like he's an actor and they were gonna surprise him by meeting him at his apartment and then found out that he was dating them both and so the rest of the movie takes place in the apartment as he's trying to explain himself to them as they're not, not leaving. They're like, we want an answer. And he like fakes a suicide to try to get out of it. And like, and he's this terrible fucking person. And then the girls have great dialogue and it all takes place within an apartment. Oh. And it's a two hour movie and it does not feel, you know, boring mm-hmm. at any point. And that's why the dialogue is so important because you can have a movie take place in one room if it's written well enough. Yeah. If it's acted well enough, then you're good. So, yeah. If The Boy Is Mine wasn't on that soundtrack, then <laughs> that would have been a total misstep. <laughs> yeah, that was after... I think that was after The Boy Is Mine came out. Yeah, that would have been total misstep on, the, on their part. <laughs> Is that too on the nose, though? I feel like that's too on the nose. No, it's... No, you're, it's, you're, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Everyone <laughs> loves that song anyway. That's true. It's great. Just like at the end when he like fakes the suicide that just starts playing the boy's <laughs> mind. In the most like weirdly timed choice for a song ever in a movie. Yeah. It's, it's just like just as they open the door and see him like laying there covered in blood, the boy's mind starts blasting from the stereo. <laughs> yeah. I'm in it. I'm into it. Yeah. So you said you had a uh, Dell, right? I do. Okay. Who do you have for your Dell? I have Gerard Butler. Ooh, nice. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. He can be that like bossy kind of like borderline dickish but not really a dick just more yeah he's just like hey shape up this is my business yeah what the hell are you doing yeah sure yeah i dig it yeah mine was uh just kind of a love letter to the original is that i thought it'd be fun for the remake of multiplicity to get michael keaton to play the role of dell that would be so sweet it'd be adorable i would love it i know i thought about that too actually that's and you could even have like um at one point where he says like the line that the Dougs were saying to each other is like a mm-hmm. couple of good looking dudes. If like <laughs> Michael Keaton says that to Sam Rockwell at some point, yeah, good looking dude or something just as a like nod would be fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you like pizza? <laughs> <laughs> what do you want? Pizza. Pizza. Give me pizza. <laughs> so that is our uh, serious choices. 
So now we're going to run down our fun. And by fun, apparently, really intense psychological thriller is apparently where we both went with this. (laughs) So you said uh, David Fincher. I did. Who is an incredible director. Incredible. Um, he, he, He... focuses on the smallest of details when doing his film, which makes mm-hmm. him very difficult to work with. But on the same end, a lot of actors will work with him repeatedly because the product that he puts out is consistently impressive as shit. Yeah. So. Cinematically, it's, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's incredible. So for a intense thriller version of Multiplicity, mm-hmm. for Doug, previously played by Michael Keaton, who do you have? I have one of my favorites ever, Bill Hader. Bill Hader, and you know what? I would, a year ago, have been like, that's a weird choice for a David Fincher film. And then I saw Barry. Mm. And his turns from comedic to hardcore fucking terrifying is Mm -hmm. amazing in that. Did you ever see the Skeleton Twins with him? No, I haven't. (gasps) See, I I knew then. I mean, that was a few years ago. Yeah, that was. He is so unbelievable in that movie. And he just plays this sad, sad character. And it's just such great acting range, something you would never see from. Sure. You wouldn't think. You're like, oh, Bill Hader, Chris Craig, it's going to be a blast. And it's a super dark movie. There are moments for Bill Hader, though, even when he's doing comedic stuff where he'll take a sharp turn for the comedy of it. Mm-hmm. But you can tell that it's like, oh, you got some stuff. You mm-hmm. got some darkness in there that you're kind of yeah. keeping back and drawing from. And yeah. I just think he would be so good. I mean, obviously, like different versions of themselves. He has amazing comedic timing. Sure. And then everyone has seen, most people who have seen Barry know how dark he can get. And my version is pretty dark and he does some not great things. Yeah. And he could definitely pull that off. I think I would have even thought about that before Barry came out. But now seeing Barry, I'm like, oh man. Yeah, yeah. I, I just can't gush enough about how much I love Bill Hader. See, now I'm kind of mad at my choice because mine is kind of like a <laughs> no-brainer for a Scorsese movie, and it's not nearly as like well thought out and impressive as a choice as yours. It's one of my favorite movies, so I I took a lot of thought into it. No, fair enough. But <laughs> uh, for my Doug with Scorsese doing the thing, mm-hmm. who better than an now Oscar-winning actor that has played a number of different roles? Uh, really tries to get roles where he. Uh, plays very different characters. Mm-hmm. So having in an intense movie, and I was kind of drawing from Scorsese's Shutter Island when kind of thinking about how he would portray the character, mm-hmm. uh, Leo DiCaprio Fair. as uh, yeah. Doug Kinney. That's kind of the no-brainer part of it, though. It's like, yeah, he's been in like half of Scorsese's movies, but sure. but he's really good in them. And uh, I think he would have a lot of uh, interesting choices between the different versions of Doug. Oh, yeah. that I mean, that's an actor that would definitely take that and that's like a candy store for him sure just like and just to see what it would do with the first clone that would be like the cape fear kind of trying to take over the life version Mm -hmm. to see him go like de niro dark Mm -hmm. i don't think we've seen that level of darkness from him yet we've seen him go kind of hard and departed and stuff he was raw he was ragged and like intense but he was pretty dark in Django. that was a pretty dark role it was it was a funny. Well, that's the thing is it was, it was played kind of comedically for how dark it was. It was, but if you like think you're like, ooh, that was that was some stuff. Yeah, <laughs> no, that was some the other stuff. I think that was actually a review I read. Is when ooh, that was some stuff. <laughs> Five stars. <laughs> there were definitely deeply uncomfortable uh, moments in that movie. <laughs> yeah, 
So uh, yeah, no, DiCaprio. He's a, he's a great actor, though. Yeah, he is, and he mm-hmm. would nail it. I'm I'm just kind of mad that it's a kind of a no brainer. It was yeah, of course DiCaprio. So yeah, I mean, if you're doing Martin Scorsese, he usually casts certain people. So sure. Yeah, that's like his thing. So mm-hmm. for uh, your intense David Fincher film mm-hmm. version of Laura Kinney, mm-hmm. who do you have? So I decided to go with Rosario Dawson. Nice. Oh, I adore her so much. Yeah. So this character, she's going to be suffering from PTSD in it because I feel like that would be a natural thing for like a woman. She's been like a stay-at-home mom for 10 years. She probably has PTSD. And then <laughs> her her husband is like Bill Hader and he's kind of crazy and all this stuff's going on. So it's, yeah. And I think she really has, I just rewatched Clerks too. And I was like, man, she's a really good actor to have to want to be with Brian. <laughs> yeah, right. Cool. <laughs> I was like, God, like no offense to him or anything. I just, yeah. I mean, but no, I mean, she, she's fantastic. And I haven't seen her in a lot lately. Not a whole lot lately. Yeah. Um, I know. I think she has something coming out, but. And she was the night nurse for a lot of the Netflix Marvel stuff. But even mm. that kind of like it's gone now. So D- yeah. <laughs> and she had small parts in the latter ones of that. So. Right. Exactly. Um, no, I, I adore her. She's not only absolutely stunning, mm-hmm. stunning woman, but also deeply smart, deeply funny. I mean, you just charmed all day. Oh yeah. All day long. So yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And her playing PTSD with like a mentally fucked up version of, of Doug would be definitely yes. a fun kind of dynamic there. Mm-hmm. Uh, for my, my Laura. I love this woman so much and I just want to see her in all the things and she might be a little older than DiCaprio, although probably not by as much as I think and is a great in the Spider-Man movies, Marissa Tomei. I love her. I love her so much. And she's just getting hotter the older she gets. I know. Like she's, she's doing the aging backwards thing where she's just getting better and better. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't think about it. I mean... With Leo and her together. No, it's no. not enough of an age gap that it would be weird. This I is not think. Leo's real life or anything. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, where he dates like 22-year-old Brazilian <laughs> models, I think, is his thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think his girlfriend is 22. Right oh, now. really? Oh, yeah. oh, I couldn't imagine. I think so. Like nothing against our 22-year-old listeners because like, no. we all got to go through it. But like I'm in my late 30s. No. <laughs> just like. I mean, it is Leo DiCaprio. That's true. You know? all, they, all they do is just like go on yachts and. They just, yeah, go on yachts and drink like deeply ex- expensive he's not, champagne. He's not coming home from a nine to five and his girlfriend wants to go to a club or something. It's not that. Yeah, she's like, let's go to a club. And I was like, okay, well, I'll send you the with a car to the club. I'm going to go yeah. relax in my mansion because <laughs> I'm Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. Did you see what is eating Gilbert Grape? Yes, you did, because everyone did. Fuck you. I'm Leonardo DiCaprio. I don't think she was born then. <laughs> she wasn't born yet. Oh. <laughs> When he heard, I'll never let go, and then was let go in Titanic, she was not born yet. Thinking about it, yeah, no. No, I don't think so. She wasn't. Oh, that's, oh, that's so weird. God. That is so gross. Oh, He was drawing Leo. drawing, drawing people like French girls, and she, and his, his girlfriend is not even born yet. She was in a, in a womb. <laughs> we're, not, we're not talking trash on everyone that has a no, large age no. gap. No, 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 no. I mean, that happens. You fi- you find, uh, you know, your person. You know, good for him. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. Good for him. Good for and him. You know what? Good he, for her. Good for her. The more yeah. so good for her. Yeah. She she landed a landed a, a big one. Yeah. I, well, I don't know about. Yeah. But like as far as money and and 
Oh, I thought, I thought you meant like his dad bod. <laughs> his sweet, sweet dad bod, yes. You know, that's what all the ladies want nowadays. Uh, Fucking dad bod. No, they don't. <laughs> no, they don't. Trust me, I know, as a owner of a dad bod. So yeah, Marissa Tomei. I don't think there's much exp- explanation needed for that. She's amazing. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, your next one was what, Dr. Leeds? Yes. Okay, and who do you have for that? Stanley Tucci. Possibly my hands-down favorite character actor. Yes. That he plays kind of a different version of mm-hmm. the same kind of character in all the films, but it's so deeply lovable. Yeah. Yeah, I just want to be his friend. I just right. want to, I want to not even go get a beer with Stanley Tucci. Like, I want to go watch a baseball game with Stanley Tucci. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to maybe a couple rounds of golf. Tucci gang. Tucci gang? Did you ever see Tucci gang? No. It's SNL digital short with Pete Davidson. Sam Rockwell was in it. <laughs> That's awesome. Did, did, it was like parody of like whatever Gucci Gang that song. Gucci oh, Gang. okay. It's something the kids listen to. I don't it's know. Like one of them. One of them youthful songs. One of those youth youth is songs. That, is that the, that uh, that, but it, but that trap like, that trap music that the kids? I talk? I guess I don't know. No, I'm, I'm so crotchety. I'm not actually it's entirely like, sure what trap is, uh, and it's been I, around for long enough that that's actually kind of sad. I mean, I don't really know what it is either. Okay, cool, sweet. I mean, I could know when I hear it because I think they literally say like trap in the song, I guess. I don't know if that's, I don't, I don't think the kids listen to trap anymore. I don't know what they do. Wouldn't that be amazing if all music did that? Yeah. It was like ding, 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 Scott. Ding, 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 ding. And it would be helpful for metal because there's like 200 different subgenres of metal. So they could actually mm-hmm. tell you what subgenre of metal it is mm-hmm. during the song. That would be super helpful. I want to be in the Tucci gang. I want to be. I would be in the Tucci gang. I would love to be in the Tucci gang. I would learn to trap music if it meant I could be in the Tucci gang. Yeah. I kind of changed his role though because he's actually um, Bill Hader's therapist, but everything is in Bill Hader's head about the clothes. Oh, okay. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. You're getting real psychological and dark. I dig it. Very David Fincher. I mean, yeah, absolutely. You think it's one thing, but. It's actually. It's actually something else. It's like the old uh, My Life on MTV or whatever. You think you know, but you have no idea. <laughs> this is well, this is the diary yeah. of Chris Rock. <laughs> I just like to steal. <laughs> I don't know why I remember that. Uh, speaking of MTV, we just, at the day we're recording this, uh, just dropped the MTV episode uh, that you were on. Great. So that is out there in the world now for Fantastic. all to enjoy. I know. I wish it would have been after the VMAs. We could have discussed I know. I was trying to get it to drop like day of VMAs, but yeah, I just watched. I watched them too. How how was that? You know what? It was actually really good. They had a Missy. Uh, she won like the Vanguard Award, and, and I heard that she just absolutely knocked it out of the park. Destroyed it. Destroyed yeah. it. And it ended with Queen Latifah, Naughty by Nature, like doing See, a performance. And I'm just like, I okay. Heard, I heard about that. I'm like, okay. I would have watched it if I knew because I was expecting it to be like all people I had no idea about. It's really just a concert. There's like they only gave out five awards. I think really? in like two hours. Yeah. No, it's just a concert. It's just like people doing multiple songs. Oh, and Jesus. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. So we got our Dr. Leeds. Next one is uh, Vic. Yes. So f- because of Bill Hader and how great they work together, I had to go with Fred Armisen. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. The, the pairing. Fred Armisen just being this incompetent, just crazy person to Bill Hader like them in documentary now is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Documentary now, I can't watch, I can't binge because it, it, I'm like exhausted after an episode it's, from just 
cringing and laughing so hard over it. It's it, it's incredible. It's brilliant. It's absolutely incredible. They yeah. have such a great dynamic together. And like the what... Grey Gardens episode, I I oh. I had to stop it halfway through because I was dying too hard. It was it was too much. It, yeah, I mean, he just they just play so they're just so good together. Yeah, and just seeing him in that role would be great. Okay, I'm in. Mm-hmm. I'm in. Let's let's. I'll take out some money and be your producer for this uh, <laughs> David Fincher remake of Multiplicity. I'm sure we could talk to the studios. They'll be super on board. Yeah, for sure. Totally. <laughs> Wait, hold on. David Fincher and Multiplicity. All right. Well, let's see. For my uh, Vic, another regular in the world of uh, Scorsese and just seeing him making excuses about running late would be super fun. Joe Pesci. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As the Vic would be super fun. God, I love Joe Pesci. Oh, me too. Um, my cousin Vinny is yes deeply underappreciated for a film. Really, you think so? I I don't think it's given nearly enough love. I feel like a yeah, you know, maybe you're right. I feel a lot of people kind of like oh yeah, it's fine. And I just realized you can kind of tell that I watched my cousin visit Vinny recently <laughs> <laughs> by my casting. <laughs> um, so yeah, that would be Joe Pesci and mm-hmm. Marissa Tomei uh, reunited for yeah. Sure. For this uh, Scorsese film here. I mean, I watch Home Alone every Christmas. Oh my God. It's so good. It's, yeah. It's amazing. It's fantastic. We have not done a uh, remake of Home Alone yet oh. on here. So that might be something in the back pocket for holiday season. Yeah. That'd be super fun. That'd be really hard. Yeah, it'd be hard. About, about a, a kid that... They could do all oh. that. Well, that's... It's hard to cast kids because... It is. We're adults. We pay attention like three kid actors and they're all mm-hmm. on stranger things and now they're all teen like late teens yeah. so the kid who was uh who's dustin on stranger things but when he was like six exactly before he was even on stranger <laughs> right. things like that's the kid when he I had want. a tiny role in uh was it le miserables i think oh. was the, the one <laughs> le, le miserables that's, le mi- le miserable. the, the miserables i think is what the miserables. The, mis- the miserables i think it's like an expendables knock spinoff or something oh okay yeah yeah not Okay. Yeah, yeah. Got it. The miserable. It's just sad action stars. Mm-hmm. It, they're just they're miserable. <laughs> so yeah, Joe well, Pesci for Vic. Um, mm. Who do you have for your Ted? So this is actually pretty unconventional, but I love him so much as an actor, and I feel like he's super underappreciated. And for the direction I wanted to go with this like crazy thriller remake, I think it would be a really good choice. So I picked Sean William Scott. I like him. I love him. I did not like him in the American Pie era of things, but sure. as things like progressed, I've come mm-hmm. to really appreciate the actor more. Yeah. I mean, I was just a very young teen when all that stuff was coming out, so I thought he was hilarious then. <laughs> but he has a lot of range, and he's sure. really funny. But you see Goon? Goon is incredible. He's so great in it. And he's so charming and he's adorable. A, he's a theater actor. Like he comes from like the stage, he can do other things, but he just got so typecast, yeah. Which is really unfortunate, but he's fantastic. What was the movie? Stark Raving Mad, I think it was called. It was terrible. That movie <laughs> is awful. It's I, so bad. I got it on DVD because I loved him so much, and I love movies, so I got it on DVD when it came out, like way back then. Yeah. When I that what was it like oh four oh five something like that yeah something like that like right out of high school for me yeah. And I was like telling every, I was like, you guys gotta watch this movie. And we were all like, oh, well, this is awesome. Like 18. Yeah. Like. <laughs> it was like, oh, we got this movie nobody knows about and still nobody knows about he, it because he was it's in not that other, good. Like Richard Kelly's Southland Tales, which was 
uh, so promising and yet so not good. So very disappointing. Yeah. I was so excited about that film too. Yeah. But unfortunately. I guess he just had one in him. Yeah. Apparently. <laughs> yeah. Because he did the box as well, which was also oh. not not great. Sorry, guys. Yeah. I just... We thought we had a champion uh, out, out of the Richmond area. I and, know, uh, right? Yeah. yeah. No, no. It's fine. I mean, Donnie Darko's still good. Yeah, Donnie Darko's great. Yeah. So um, for my TED, I, not really unconventional, has worked with Scorsese and has shown his dramatic acting chops recently in recent mm-hmm. years uh, with Moneyball and Wolf of Wall Street. So I thought, you know, it, a great choice to play TED um, who's conniving, kind of like fucked up. And he did that kind of character in War Dogs, I think it was called, mm-hmm. where he was a gun runner yeah. and played that kind of character. So I thought it'd be fun to uh, cast Jonah Hill as yeah. uh, as Ted in I, this one. I knew you were going to say Jonah Hill this whole time because you were listing off his movies, but I just kept thinking of him and this is the end when he's exactly like this like seedy oh he's so terrible, shitty he's so, so fucking shitty. terrible he's just like oh my god you guys jay he's a sweetheart he's so nice <laughs> and like he's wearing that diamond earring in his ear the whole time oh god time. he's talking about like the incontinent poodle that he just adopted and shit yeah that's the funny thing is that's one of his roles that he's played the, one, the most terrible people in yeah. all of his roles and he's playing himself <laughs> i know which is amazing i love that and then he's like, dear God, please kill Jay. Please kill Jay. Just please kill him. He's just not good. He's just this not is, good. This is me, actor Jonah Hill from Moneyball. <laughs> <laughs> I also love that that movie found a way to work in that uh, the movie Flyboys at one point was impressive. That movie is freaking hilarious. Oh, God, I love that it movie. It's fantastic. That movie never needs to be remade. I don't know how you even could, because that's clearly just them being friends with each other is why that movie would, was made. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. And also one that takes most place inside the, at one house. The commentary so. is really interesting, too. Oh, I haven't listened to the commentary yet. Yeah. They kept... <laughs> it's funny when they talk about using Gangnam Style for, like, the drug scene. And they said, like, they didn't want to use it because it was so popular at the time. And then they kept using other songs. And they're like, none of these work. We have to use King. Oh, Star. no. <laughs> but it worked so well. Oh, it super worked. <laughs> All right. So we have, uh, but I think Dell yeah. is the only one that we have mm-hmm. left. So who do you have for Dell? David Harbour. I love him. Mm-hmm. I was really mad that the new Hellboy movie wasn't as good as it could have been. Yeah. It wasn't as bad as people were saying, but it wasn't great. I know. Yeah. It was all right. Yeah, yeah, but he's he's amazing, and I'm excited mm-hmm. for him to be in the Black Widow movie. Yes, I saw that. He's gonna be playing the basically Russian Captain America. So That's... that so Captain America with a big old Russian beard and 18 feet tall. He's gonna have to get rid of that dad bod. I mean. <laughs> That's going to be the next Chris Pratt situation where it's like a oh, sure. an actor that gets like cut as fuck and then all the all the women all, all people period are just fawning all over him. I love watching old episodes of Parks and Rec when Chris Pratt is so out of shape oh, and yeah. so fat. And then I see like Instagram stories and he's just like, "Hey guys, I'm drinking all this water. I'm on the treadmill. Look at my sweat. You actually, can do it." I'm like, I actually just saw it. I saw literally that story where yeah. he was on the on the treadmill. He's like, "I've cut 12 pounds for this movie that I'm doing." Oh my god. Drink his water. And also Props to this brand. Um, by the way, not sponsored by them, even though I said yeah. sponsored by them. Yeah, that. Oh God, we're nerds. Yeah, I know. So <laughs> I love being a nerd, though. It's fine. All right. So for Dell, you're doing. Uh, yeah, David Harbor. David Harbor. Okay. Yeah, I, he's still not like a huge 
part of the movie. But I mean, it's a good like authoritative figure to be looming over Bill Hader because Bill Hader is also very tall. Yeah. So you have to get someone that's like authoritative. And I thought of like other actors, but yeah, you just want someone that's just you like, want a, a big boy. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you need a big boy. Let's see, to dominate Leo DiCaprio takes less. Uh, he's not a tall man. Mm, very true. Yeah. Uh, but I thought, since I was kind of using Cape Fear as an inspiration, why not use for Dell um, some Robert De Niro in there? Oh, to be the uh, to be the boss, um, the one uh, kicking shit when people aren't in line. Uh, mm -hmm. Robert De Niro. I mean, of course, clearly knows how to work with Scorsese. Yeah, some of the most iconic Scorsese films of all time mm -hmm. took place with uh, De Niro in the driver's seat. Mm. So uh, yeah, I, and it's not a big role, but. De Niro would have super fun, and especially with mm -hmm. De Niro kind of expanding his horizons a little bit recently with a lot more in the way of comedies and stuff. It'd be nice sure, to see him yeah. kind of go back to church uh, in the world of Scorsese yeah. and and get play a serious version of a former comedy. Oh, would be yeah. Would be super fun. That would be fun. Yeah. So that's what we got for our, uh, for our casting. Mm -hmm. So um, if you have some ideas on what you would like to see as a reboot or remake of uh, Multiplicity, then definitely hit us up on our social media. We are always taking ideas and opinions for future Smack My Pitch Up episodes as well for uh, especially mashups. That's what we usually like to play with. And speaking of, I'm going to kind of read off a couple of the ideas that were put forward by some of our fans for a mashup, what they'd like to see for a property to mash up with multiplicity. Mm. And then we can kind of play in that space for a minute. The first one is Death Becomes Her. Oh my God, I love that movie. I deeply love that movie. Robert Zemeckis. And I mean, you could put some weird scientific caveat that the clones can't die. Oh yeah. And so they can just fuck each other up and like straight up murk each other. And then they end up not dying. Like some construction thing happens and they get like buried with like concrete oh, but then they just, like... the construction thing is perfect that there is no better way to introduce that concept into the film that's than... why i didn't want to change the whole construction part because for thriller that's just so many weapons oh yeah for sure so many ways to bury a body to do all kinds of things you, you need to keep the construction there <laughs> yeah yeah Death Behuck comes her was such a great movie i oh, oh it's so good that's one of those movies that I never get tired of. There's like that. There's Witches of Eastwick. There's mm -hmm. uh, The Witches, uh, which I love as well. But mm -hmm. um, And it's crazy. Like you think about the cast, like Meryl Streep, Bruce Willis, Goldie like, Hawn. The 80s into the early 90s had this way of doing like weirdly occult comedies. Mm -hmm. This like really funny occult, like The Burbs yeah. and, uh, and Death Becomes Her and... Um, nothing but trouble and mm -hmm. all these stuff where it's like really dark and kind of like murdery and weird and just ha ha ha, ha pentagrams, you mm -hmm. know, just or immortality or all, just all these weird occult tropes I'm just having fun with it. I could just watch scenes of Meryl Streep reacting to things in that movie. Yeah. And the woman's just like, I am 70 years old. And she's just, <laughs> just like, oh, now this next mashup uh, brought by our uh, listener red as well. He, he also suggested death becomes her. I can definitely see some fun with is Troop Beverly Hills. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie in so long. No, I, it's been forever for me too. Oh I forget. Wasn't it like the love interest from Cheers? Wasn't she the person in Troop Beverly? Not Kirstie Alley. Not Kirstie Alley. The other no, one. No, the the blonde. The blonde. Yeah. Oh man, I forget her name. Yeah, I, I do too. But who knows? But I think the easy thing here is that there was a whole Campfire Girls 
Mm-hmm. Something uh, yeah. of the the daughter was in tr- in the campfire girls. I think wasn't that what it was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can totally have one of the clones that ends up kind of taking over because the mom is supposed to be doing the campfire girls thing, but can't because she just got her job back. Mm-hmm. And so one of the clones, like n- not the doofy one, because that would be too much, mm-hmm. like way too right. much. Maybe the the sensitive one, or you just make another clone, just another clone. Sure. That that's like a side thing that they end up forgetting about him at the end when everybody goes to Florida and he's <laughs> just coming back from the trip or something. Is yeah, there's a total troop Beverly Hills thing where they're like trying to earn their merit as the Campfire Girls, mm-hmm. and there's just a extra Doug that's like running the the show. Yeah. So yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. Too. Yeah, that would be its own movie, pretty much. Sure. <laughs> like a side cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one we got is from our listener, Lily. We've got Beetlejuice. Okay. Which, I mean, Michael Keaton all day on that one. Yeah, of course. Um, Is he going to do Beetlejuice too? I don't know. It's kind of up in the air. I, would, I, I honestly, I would still see it. I mean, I would. I would definitely. See yeah, it. I probably would. Do. Even I if it got bad reviews before it came out, I'd probably I don't know still see it. how they could do it. Because if you had like Alec Baldwin again, he looks... He's supposed to be dead in a ghost, so he looks like way older. You could do probably a, some story with Lydia as an adult with kids. Sure. And do that. When the writer's hot again, she's, yeah. she's got all the Stranger Things like, oh, yeah. buzz and she's yeah, a great totally. actress. Yeah. You can totally run with like her kids and like, mm-hmm. I don't know, Beetlejuice comes back or something or like her husband dies and then they she find won't... They find a book and they say his name and... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Find the old book or something and yeah, then yeah, they yeah. say it and so he's terrorizing the kids and she's got to be like, oh, mm-hmm. Beetle. Yeah, but I want it to be like Tim Burton-esque because it, you can't with all the new CGI. I want it to look like crazy. Oh, and yeah, and, yeah, and not yeah. age really poorly. Right. So I don't know how you would do Beetlejuice with multiplicity. Unless you <sighs> have... Unless Beetlejuice clones himself. <laughs> yes, oh my God. I don't know if I can handle like four Beetlejuices. But then, but then they get like the second Beetlejuice, it could almost be like the Beetlejuice cartoon where him and Lydia are friends and then the second Beetlejuice is like really, really bad and they have to figure out how to stop him and then they clone him again. Yes. And then it's like a really like nice, nice Beetlejuice and then, yeah. I think you've cracked this walnut. I think that's the way to do it. Yeah, It's a team up with Beetlejuice to fight Beetlejuice. I think, yeah, for sure. Yes. Heck yeah. All right. And then they both spike each other at the same time. The sandworm gets them. It has to be the sandworms. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, they can totally do Beetlejuice as Muad'Dib from Dune. <laughs> Just riding the sandworms. <laughs> Beetlejuice is a killing word. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm in. Fuck, yes. Yeah. So it's a mashup of Dune, Beetlejuice, and Multiplicity. <laughs> done. We are done. Perfect. Fucking perfect. And Bill Murray is still the, the doctor. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Who else are you going to get to make something so zany uh, make sense? And one more from Red as well, uh, which I, I'm only going to mention because it's such a terrible um, kind of fuck you suggestion, <laughs> is Tiny Toons, How I Spent My Summer Vacation. <laughs> mixed with, it's like, get out of here. Th- that's basically the <laughs> comment version of like shooting the gun at someone's feet and yelling dance puppet dance um, is to do How I Spent how, My Summer Vacation. That... I mean, I know Space Jam was real popular in the 90s, but I feel like it would just be that like he gets like maybe he gets cloned and then all of a sudden he gets sucked into the Tiny Toons world. Yeah, it and would then, be such a and hackney, then the clone like, is like 
taking over for him on earth i don't know yeah no there's it yeah that's i don't know you know screw you buddy with mm-hmm. your tiny tunes yeah get out of here with that business <laughs> tiny tunes fucking tiny tunes <laughs> All right, so here we are at the uh, last part of uh, Smack My Pitch Up, where we do our trailers for it. So uh, we're going to cue up our music and then do, what what version do you think you're going to do for your trailer? Oh, the the David Fincher. I'm, I'm absolutely doing my Scorsese as well. So yeah. we're going to get the super intense ones going here. Mm-hmm. From the visionary director that brought you Raging Bull, The Departed and Wolf of Wall Street comes a new vision of multiple people. (laughs) Meet Doug Kinney, an overworked husband, a neglectful father, trying to find a way to get through in a world that requires a double income. Through the advances of modern science, he finds a way to not have just a dual income, but a quadruple income. This summer, watch Leonardo DiCaprio as Doug Kinney. Leonardo DiCaprio as Doug Kinney again, and again, and again. That's, that's, that's four Leo DiCaprios. That's Leo quad, quadruple DiCaprio as his wife, Marissa Tomei, circumvents the, the, the struggles of a modern relationship while also having three clones of your husband, one of which is trying to kill him and take over his life. Robert Nero as the overbearing boss and Harvey Keitel as the clone doctor from Clone, clone School. This summer, Martin Scorsese presents Joe Pesci and a special appearance by Jonah Hill in Multiplicity Double-Edged <laughs> Coming to a theater near you <laughs> Holy shit, I panicked <laughs> Double-Edged Double yeah. <laughs> And to make it thrillery sounding yeah. It would be triple-edged Quadruple edge. Quadruple edge. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of edges. Yeah. It's more edges than you need, really. That's an overabundance of edges, I will say. Multiplicity squared. That's at least two additional edges more than you really need at any given mm. point in time. Like, I could see double edge, sure. Yeah. But triple? Okay, now you're just... That's actually making it less functional. Mm-hmm. And then quadruple? Oh, okay. Uh, that's a... Uh, why? Mm-hmm. It's not even a point. <laughs> I mean, there's a point, but... Too many edges. Okay, so... It is your turn. All right. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. You're so excited. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. <laughs> okay. We get you queued up here. Coming this summer from David Fincher, director of Fight Club. Stars movie. Bill Hader. No. Bill Hader stars as Doug Kinney. A man slowly driving himself insane with his high-stress job. His wife, played by Rosario Dawson, who has major PTSD from two kids that you don't even understand why they're there. One day, he sees a doctor, played by Stanley Tucci, of Tucci Game, who promises 
to relieve all of his stress by cloning me. Things seem to be going great, but when the lies start to pile up, Doug realizes that things may need to get a bit more bloody. Clones will collide in multiplicity. Sean William Scott also stars as Ted, former lover of Rosario Dawson. Oh, oh, okay. And mortal enemy of Bill Hader. Fred Armisen stars as that crazy construction guy. Who knows what happens to him? Coming soon to a theater near you. All right. Stupid. <laughs> That's the whole I, point, actually, of this last part is to be stupid. So I was reading off of my paper and I completely messed up the beginning. <laughs> That's so, okay. That's part of the fun. What a fail. This, this is why we're on a podcast and not making lots of money in Hollywood being voiceover actors. So Yeah, definitely not. So far. One day. Yeah, I know, right? So thank you so much uh for coming out and helping me on this uh episode yes thank you for having me and uh fun. you're a local comedian that maybe keep an eye out for you to do some stuff yes oh i am doing the bibliophilia the next bibliophilia show that's the 26th 6th. september 26th okay. thursday okay yeah september 26th okay I'll fall out so definitely check that out we'll have that event information at uh, guipodcast.com as well as our social media links uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the stuff. Mm-hmm. We occasionally post stuff on Tumblr, but it's just the same stuff that's on Instagram. So it's just, sure. I don't, Tumblr's boring now. There's no porn. What's the, <laughs> what's the point? <laughs> There's no porn anymore. It's boring. Yeah. There's no boobs. I'm not interested. It's all about the gram. Absolutely. All about the gram. So yeah, follow us on Instagram, uh, the Geeks of the Influence Instagram, which we post all, all of our uh, Smack My Pitch Up stuff on. And we have nine podcasts now. So if you like Smack My Pitch Up or Geeks Under the Influence, there are seven other shows on the network to definitely check out that you may also enjoy just as much. We, the newest one is From the Mouse of Madness, brought to you by Fuck You Hunter of Beautiful Disasters, and my co-host on Geeks Under the Influence, Mr. Lowdown Brown MacGyver. So they're doing all things horror just in time for the Halloween season. So definitely check that out at GYPodcast.com. Join us this Sunday at uh, the Hofheimer building for our next live version of Booze Clues, a investigation into the world's most spirited headlines. So come be part of the crowd, seven to nine. Show starts at eight uh, until a little after nine. And uh, yeah, it's free, 21 and up. So bring your butts and we'll see you there. I am Mike the Hobbit. You just got pitch smacked. GUIPodcast.com. Thank <laughs> you.